This episode is brought to you by Chirp, a wireless deepening project that aims to connect the largest number of devices with the blockchain. If you like Web3 projects with real-world utility and you can't forgive yourself for missing Helium, here's a worthy competitor that gives you a second chance. Make sure to visit chirptoken.io and sign up for their early adopter NFT and minor waitlist. Alright, hello everyone, Daniel from Deep in over here, and today I have Ayush, CEO and co-founder of a company called Huddle01. Huddle01 is building a DRTC, decentralized real-time communication, the infrastructure behind projects like Google Meet, Zoom, Skype, and others. Man, thanks so much for joining the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Let's get started. Can you tell a bit about your background, who you are, and what you're trying to build with Huddle01? Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Daniel, for having me. I've been following your podcast for a long time now. I've been a big fan of the thing you're doing. Deepin is in a very early wave right now. And I've been seeing all your podcasts from Hive Mapper to Demo to the one with the borderless capital. I think it is great. Yeah, getting into details about myself. I'm one of the co-founder and CEO of Huddle01. I graduated back in 2016. I'm an electrical engineer by my background and studies. And uh, yeah, at Huddle01, we are building a people-powered communication network. My background is more towards product as well as marketing. I've been joined by my co-founder in the journey of building Huddle01. He and I are from the same university. We studied together. We were three years apart. So I, I graduated in 2016. He graduated in 2019. And then we met in a hackathon, which was happening in 2020, called ETH Global HackFS where everybody was building something on the Web3 tech, but all the meetings were happening over Zoom, Google Meet and Teams, which is very ironical because we're building a Web3 tech and we're doing all the communication over a centralized tech. And at that time, Zoom bombings was very infamous. So that's where we decided to build something in the world of decentralized real-time communication. So that's how it started. That's awesome. That's a really nice story. I like to point as well, like electric engineer you, electric engineer me, the last episode, I have Mike from Geonet, also an electric engineer. So an electric engineer is all over the place here building Deepin. That's super exciting. Where does the name Huddle 01 or Huddle 01? Is 01 or 01? What do you, how do you guys call it properly? Yeah, so we called it Huddle 01. This name has come into picture because right now we are, what we are doing is basically huddling. It's just that we are huddling in a digital world. So when we go in a playground, we huddle together. But if you do that in a digital world uh, while communicating, it's happening in a digital environment and digital is made of zeros and ones. That's why Huddle 01. Nice. So that's how the name came into picture. And yeah, it's been live for the last three and a half years. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the binary digital huddling. Can you explain the concept? I look in your website that people's power communication. That's what you guys are trying to go for, right? Can you give it an intro about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll go into the into the whole journey about why a people-powered communication is important, what is happening in the current landscape right now. So essentially right now, what the calls we are doing on Google Meet, on Zoom, on Microsoft Teams, all these calls are routed through central servers. So if I and you are doing a call, Daniel, let's suppose I'm in India and you are, let's suppose, in Milan, all the calls are routed through a central server. These servers are generally placed in the large server farms, which are generally just one or two places in any of these continents. Now, the more distance these kind of audio and video packets travel via optic fiber cables, the more there's heat loss, the more there is jittered, buffer robotic voices. We have felt all of this has been felt a lot during the COVID times. And that's where Zoom stock also skyrocketed because they somehow were able to basically be much more stable as compared to others. But still, Zoom also faced a lot of issues, especially in India. If people were doing calls and they didn't have great bandwidth and connection, they were not able to do calls in a very proper manner. The reason was that the call servers are still in North Virginia and the calls were happening in India. So that led to a lot of performance issues, which included jitter, buffer, robotic voices. Hey, can you hear me? And all those things. That was first. Second was the privacy issues where 
all the calls were routed through a central server which was a black box you don't know what is happening behind your data and anything could be done and that's what which you call data as the new oil and people were able to basically run these kind of mls on top of it you don't know what was happening on top of it the third was a top down economy where all the value all the intellectual content which we are doing right now all these content were essentially being completely the value accrual was happening either by the platforms or by the cloud providers themselves so none of the value was going back to the people essentially and that's where we decided to build a people powered communication which means nothing but ayush and daniel are doing a call why not daniel becomes a server or a node of themselves and they power the calls essentially it will have a better performance because it's nearer to each other we are nearer with the the nodes are nearer than a central server that's first second is that there's no kind of no problem on the on the issue of privacy because there's no incentive to take your data and the third is that all the money which was which was earlier given to AWS for bandwidth and compute and Jeff Bezos bandwidth and compute will now belong to Daniel themselves so that's how we have been building this will lead to a much more immersive based communication you can think of it like an airbnb for rtc which is like you can open hotels in just particular locations where you have land and labor loss completely filled but airbnb you and i can open from anywhere which leads to a better quality because there's more competition and even better pricing because of the whole law of economics and that's what we are doing for rtc which will lead to a much immersive way to communicate and in future we think like how we have been seeing in these movies like iron man that how you can communicate in much more immersive fashion that's how humans should communicate and not in a 2d based screen with having a better privacy and also the economy belonging to them so that's what we have been building and that's why it's called people powered communication oh man this gives me the goosebumps it's super exciting because to be honest yes when we have a call imagine every company in the world basically have transitioned into a remote uh, company right and all these companies having daily calls about their products about their futures you don't know if what google microsoft or other companies are actually doing in terms of they're streaming that data they could easily be transcribing everything processing the information and using that as an advantage for them in terms of like technology right so i think just pointing the privacy part of it is already super super interesting besides that on the technology side what is required like what is the main difference that you'd say between running a decentralized rtc and a, like a centralized rtc besides just the the privacy side yeah absolutely so daniel the, the history behind the rtc is it was started back in 1999 it would be between 1998 1999 that's it started google started contributing a lot into it so webrtc is not just one protocol but a bunch of basically a sandwich protocols of many protocols in top of it and it's called webrtc as a whole it was started as a peer to peer protocol that means my browser can talk to your browser there is there is no need of a server in between that's how it started as but the problem with webrtc as a peer to peer protocol was that peer to peer cannot scale that's the problem with peer to peer at least in real time communication so if i use daniel maxine and sushmit if these four people are on call it's great but if a fifth person let was alex come from call the call breaks because it's a mesh network and all my audio and video packets are routed through all the places so i use gets data of daniel maxine sushmit and alex and his computer starts heating up and doesn't work well this is the reason why skype worked well for till four people but post that if you have more than 10 people skype starts to crash it was not working very well and this is where all these bigger operations like google amazon started seeing that hey you know what why not make uh, webrtc scalable and that's where something called as sfus were introduced there are more things like mcus but after mcus i'll not go into mcus but i'll go into sfus 
SFUs are these media servers which are called as smart selective forward unit. These are smart media servers. That means now the server SFUs, they sit on top of AWS and they say that, hey, Ayush, you don't need to send your data to Daniel directly or Alex directly or Maxine directly or Sushma directly. You can just send it to a smart server. This server sits on top of AWS and then that server basically decides that what kind of bandwidth does Daniel have? What kind of laptop is he connected to? What kind of device is he on? And then he uh, sends that server, sends smartly the audio and video packets to you based on what kind of bandwidth and device you can support. So you might you might have a great connection, so you'll get a 1080p. Sushmit might be, since he's in India, not a great connection, so he might get a 360p itself. And that's how the call became scalable. So now you could have hundreds of people of call in just basically one room, which was a completely breakthrough. But this came at a lot of cost. Because the corporations now controlled all the packets of video and audio and video packets of data, they could do anything on top of it because everything is routed through them. Also, performance started taking a hit because everybody wanted to save costings. So all the packets were routed through central server where the cheapest servers are. So that means the large, where the server farms are bigger, every every basically conferencing platform, they started routing their servers to the where the cheapest EC2 instances are. And all the basically money and the value started going to these kind of bigger base servers itself. And that led to basically a kind of not a great experience in a, in a lot of ways. So that's how the whole the whole journey of WebRTC started. And I think I'll just cut it, Jandal. What was exactly your question on that? No, just uh, that's, a, that's exactly a good answer. Like, how does the, the centralized actually works? And yeah. I, I think it's very, very interesting because... Processing all this information is not very cheap, right? Because you can imagine if you have three or four people in a call, that's okay. But once you start increasing the number of people in the call, everybody has a specific processing. Like the server is going to be like transcribing the videos for each person. That, that can be quite costly. So I can imagine as a scale, if Google is doing Google Meet for free, something needs to get from that, right? Like it's not cheap to, to run the service for the amount of people that Google is doing. So there must be something that they're doing and, and they probably don't tell us, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think just, just answering on that that part, why DRTC now? DRTC essentially solves for this thing as well, where Google did a great job at that time of scaling the calls to more than hundreds of people. Same was possible via Zoom and all the others, which led to a great kind of scalable calls, but it came with its own cost of performance, privacy, and a top-down economy. Now with the emergence of peer-to-peer -peer tech with lib P2P, more emergence in that, number one. Number two, there's a better emergence in distributed systems. That means cascading. And number three, there is a much more better kind of crypto economic tools which we have, which can lead to for us to build a much, much better communication infrastructures out there. So that's where you and I can become node found. We can power the call. So all the routings should happen through our basically nodes rather than basically happening by the central servers. So think about it in a sense where future the apps like zoom these are the app layers the infrastructures which are called cpass like agora like twilio like one uh, these are all billion dollar ipo based companies and then will start routing their calls not through aws but, but via this alternate network which is the airbnb of rtc because it is cheaper for them it saves the costing for them they increase their margins and also it leads to a better performance so basically it's a win-win situation for these bigger players to move away from cloud providers and move towards this specialized hardware, which is completely built for doing communication. And that's what the world is, what we look forward to, where everything runs by people and leads to a much better experience. That's awesome. Yeah, it's nice to see that you guys are already focusing on the demand a lot, right? 
Because I think that's what you you we, you mentioned when we had like an intro call before is that you guys focusing first on the demand and then focus on the supply, right? Because I I believe because the DPN model works so well, the supply is quite fast and quite much easier to to have than the demand side. So you guys maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like how was building the demand side for that? Was it hard to to get companies to to believe in the idea of a decentralized RTC? Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. I think while building a deep in, you're building a marketplace at the end of the day. It is a two-sided marketplace with both the demand side and the supply side. Now, what we have observed is that if you build the supply side first, essentially, it was great during the time of Uber, which was a web-to-based company, that you build a supply fleet of drivers and then you expect demand to come towards you. But with ERC20 and all the other tokens, it's easier to bootstrap supply now in the world of Web3 because now you have an ERC20, you have better incentivization models, and it can bootstrap supply very fast. But Web3 is also a tech where the UX has not been completely solved yet. So getting the demand also becomes a bit difficult. And that's where we decide that also the supply side, whatever you build, it's not market validated. You don't know the supply which you have built, how you have built that supply side of things. Will people onboard onto that or not? And that's why it's better to build demand first. So we went with a reverse manner where we didn't solve for supply first, we solve for demand first. And we took an approach of progressive decentralization where we say that we will not decentralize all the tech on day one. We'll decentralize things which could be decentralized on day one. And then we'll start basically once we reach a level of escape velocity on the demand side, then we'll build the supply side part of things. So the last three and a half years, so Huddle was born in September 2020. For last three and a half years, we built the demand first by ourselves. Number one was via, via our three-pronged approach. The first approach was building an app which exactly looks like Zoom and Google Meet. And we can, we can even do all the things which is possible with Google Meet and Zoom, but much more with an icing on cake with this Web3 primitives. That means NFT as an avatar, T as a token-gated mechanisms, recording over IPFS, recording over Filecoin, and a myriad of different things. Just, uh, your, you can just basically make sure that your calls can get distributed into X, into YouTube, into Twitch in one click, which is not possible anywhere else. And you can integrate it into Calendar, you can integ integrate it into uh, basically Cal.com, Calendly, and all the other places. And that's how we started building it. As we built the demand side, we started understanding the problems which people face in the current communication realm. And that gave us a very good understanding that how a developer will also think. And that's where we just wrapped up our platform into an SDK as well. So that anyone who needs to add audio and video into their own products, they can also do that. So we first built an app, then we built an SDK. So in one and a half years, we built the complete app, which is very scalable, similar scalability as Zoom, similar basically latency as Zoom. And then we built an SDK. In the SDK, it was plug and play. It means anyone in the world who wants to add audio and video into their own products in less than five lines of code, they can use our SDK. And why our SDK worked better was because we built the app ourselves. So we knew the problems developer will face while, while basically activating SDKs. That very uh, that worked out great. Lot of apps, especially in the Web3 world, which is built on top of Lens protocol, which is a social graph itself, use Huddle01's audio SDK for audio spaces because X has audio spaces and these Web3 social apps also are wanting to have audio spaces. That is first. Second, also in the Web2 world, Lot of people are fed up with Agora. Lot of people are fed up with Twilio's of the nature. Why? Because the customer support is not there for the, for the small players, number one. Number two is that the performance issues are still there. Number three is that they are not able to basically, for any kind of any kind of pricings, it's also absolute. You don't have a great pricing model. It's very non-transparent in nature. And that's where people have started using our SDKs as well into the web to world. So that's how we entered the web to world as well. Started signing LOIs a letter of intent, started doing these contracted ARRs 
and in 2024 we'll be actualized ARRs intervention. This happened because we first entered the market, saw the problems everywhere, both on the platform level as Zoom, on the CPaaS level from the Agoras and Twilio's and Vonage and dailies of the nature, a ring center of the nature, and we started building there. And now we understood this whole, we started getting demand. And now in the last three and a half years, we got around 3 million minutes of demand on the platform, which was a very good escape velocity. And then we realized, hey, now people know our brand. Now we already have demand. Let's solve building supply. And that's when we started building the supply side, which is called Hardware 01 Nodes now, which is the last layer, which is the network layer, which is called DRTC network. And now all these demands could, routed through, could be routed through not the AWS, but actually through this decentralized nodes which we are building right now. Now, this is very smart now because even if the market is bull or beer, it doesn't matter because the node providers already know that Huddle01 already has demand. So they will keep on running these apps and it will not happen like a lot of deep in-based projects which we have seen in the past getting shut down because the supply the supply getting shut down because there's no demand and we won't face a problem because we've already started getting that demand so that's why we went with the approach of demand first rather than supply first and it has been turning out decent so far yeah it's amazing i, I like to point out that at hotspotty we've been using hurdles later one as our internal calls now and it's been a really really good experience so far and i mean kudos to you guys be building an amazing product that we're even thinking about okay we don't need google meet anymore for our, for our calls let's start doing that for for hurdles at a one and even for your calendly we're thinking about start changing from google meet to to hurdles zero one the more we use deep in projects the more we support and then i mean and the thing is that it's not we haven't moved just because we're trying to help you guys you know the experience has been really good the experience actually has been better than google meet and the fact that like you said you can save the files in the ipfs or even download the call easily seamlessly to my computer, it's it's has been a much much more interesting experience so far. So, and that's just the beginning, right? You guys have been building for quite some time now. Can you remind like one of the biggest challenges that you guys have in there, like the supply, demand, software engineering? Because uh, I can imagine that's not an easy project to build, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A uh, lot of problems on the engineering point of view, a lot of problems. So WebRTC, uh, as discussed, Daniel, it's a bunch of protocols stacked into one. And you have to do a lot of things to make sure that how you will be able to make sure that these calls which are happening, you you get a complete picture of it uh, in terms of scalability. So once we started scaling the calls, then we started basically, then we started getting that whole what kind of problems in the distributed system industry it is there to basically solve cascading. I'll give you an example right now on that. So for example, Discord, if you do a call on Discord right now, and if if Ayush and Daniel are in, uh, in India and Alex is in, let's suppose, US, the call on Discord, which is the audio call, which you can do on Discord, uh, or the video call, or you do a screecher, you will see a lot of latency, a lot of lag, a lot of jitter, buffer, and the experience is not great. And Discord is a $16 billion company. Now, what they have not implemented yet is something called as cascading. Cascading means that how can you make sure that there is a server in India and then there's a server in US and they talk to each other. Right now, that's not happening. In Discord, there's something like there's just one single server that's based in US. So all the packets are out there and then it comes back. So the biggest problem for us was to solve for these things like cascading, which was solving scalability while ensuring quality. And the second bigger problem was that how do we make sure that these cascadings which are happening over these servers start happening over nodes? So how do you do that porting of all these things into that small box, which is called nodes? And that's where all the works and iterations on libp2b, which we did. Also working with all these different SFUs like MediaSoup was a, a, a bigger challenge for us. 
the third biggest challenge for us was essentially thinking about the same thing Daniel which we discussed in the last in the last question which is should we solve demand should we solve supply and we took a very methodical approach of building the uh, demand first and yeah we have been building in open if you just go back in 2021 you will see a lot of complaints that people were complaining that hey this thing is not working well can you solve this can you solve that and that really helped us in basically getting a lot of validation from people that on what things don't work and if people are complaining that means they essentially like your product they want you to improve and because of that open building mindset i think we'll be very very able to build a an app which was very very liked by people and the same thing is happening now with sdks we have been getting a lot of great reviews on the sdks because now people think that it's much more seamless than all the other we even the web 2 centers out there so these things really helped us and but at the same time they were challenging and fourth maybe was also the sales part of things making sure that how do you extract away these these web 3 lingos while talking to the web 2 players talking to all these other guys and that basically also became an art over time where they majorly cared about better performance better privacy and better pricing better economics so yeah i think these four things were the biggest challenges for us but yeah i think over time we were able to overcome that and i think these last and a half years were a good test of time of that that's amazing yeah i i think like like you said before like you you build the company as a web true first and now the to really after you get scale velocity you can grow as a web 3 project right This episode is brought to you by Chirp, a wireless network that aims to connect the largest number of devices with the blockchain. Writing device data on chain opens up many possibilities and new real-world use cases. And Chirp does just that through its community-owned wireless network. Chirp has been actively building during the bear market and it's expected to go live this year. So your timing is perfect. Chirp network is already deployed in 27 countries by its early supporters and it's backed by Mystin, the team behind the Sui blockchain. To become an early supporter, be sure to visit chirptoken.io and click on become a keeper. How does the privacy works on the technical side? Like I can imagine everything is encrypted. Or how like how do you make make sure that you are not listening to everyone that's having calls, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing is that WebRTC in itself, a couple of encryption layers which makes sure that it inherits in itself an encryption layer which makes sure that you don't listen to the calls all the routing which are happening you're not able to basically listen to any of that secondly on top of that we have added our own e2e layer which is completely end to end encrypted this which makes sure that all the calls which are happening all the routing which is happening on the packets none of the packets could be opened and now we are also adding on top of it a lot of other algorithms so we have we're taking inspiration from double ratchet which is taken by signal signal uses that signal as open source that i think that's something which is also used by whatsapp now so we have we had taken inspiration on that and then my co-founder and ceo sushmita announced back in last year on how we basically made a call made sure that 100 people call is completely into encrypted that's on the right now on the current level but we are doing the same thing right now also on the node level making sure that now not just technologically but also economically you don't have any incentive to see anyone's data because your your hence job is a proof of routing you have to make sure that the routing happens in a completely perfect manner and and that which makes sure that you don't have any incentive to see anyone's data so that's these three kind of basically a pronged approach is how we make sure that none of your data is basically tracked off and the fourth is that we also on the recording level you make sure that you have an optionality you can record your calls over cloud AWS because people like that you can record over IPFS or you can download yourself and on the IPFS you can make sure that you can submarine those IPFS files so which makes sure that it completely is not something which can, can which can be accessed by anyone 
And then we are also adding a Filecoin layer, which makes sure that all the recordings which you do, these recordings also is something which cannot be accessed by anyone else apart from you. So these are the three, four layers which is happening right now. And then also on the node level as well. Yeah, that's that's amazing. For the nodes, what are the minimal requirements required? Because I think it's not out yet, right? What is it? Is, is in whitelisting, you guys doing some testing and what would be the requirements to run a node? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple of ways in which you can run nodes. One is the media server nodes. For that, the best thing is that if you basically use the devices which we are building, similar to how uh, people have been using something like Bobcat Miners or something like Hive Apple Dashcam. So we have basically built that device, which which ensures that you need to have an 8-core kind of CPU. You need to have uh, a 16 GB RAM. You need to have a kind of 1 GBPS-based Ethernet uh, speed of internet. And basically, it, it is using just for compute and bandwidth. Now, either you can use our device or you can basically assemble this device yourself. Or thirdly, you can also use a light note client, which is your own browser for the for these kind of things. So in terms of the whitelisting, we'll be starting that in a couple of weeks time. That means people will be able to pre-order the device by themselves. And these devices, they can run on their own at their own home. And they will be able to basically give their compute and bandwidth at the same time and then basically be able to do the proof of routing to make sure that the calls which are happening is provable in nature. Mm-hmm. And it can make sure that these calls are essentially correct. It's happening, routing is happening in a correct manner. And that's why these these nodes are there in the picture. But yeah, I think you can assemble it yourself. We'll also be releasing the docs on how you can assemble yourself or how you can buy these devices yourself or how can you can run it on your own laptop yourself. So all these three different things, it's best that if you use that device, but yeah, you can do it in any manner. And now the plan is to completely bootstrap a network of devices all across the earth to make sure that we build this people-powered network, which acts like a constellation of better performance, better latency, and better costings, and also creates a new bottom-up economy, which hasn't been seen so far. No, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for this to come out. Where do people can go to find out more about the, the releases and like be whitelisted and then everything that's happening? Yeah, absolutely. So people can go onto Twitter. That's where we announce everything first. We are active at huddle01.com. That's our handle, huddle01 in, in numeric and com. Or, we get, or you can go on Discord. That's where we essentially talk about all the alphas. We talk about, we do a community call every month. And we talk about when the node is coming out, how you can run the nodes yourself, and how essentially you can be a part of this, the whitelisting sessions which are happening. So yeah, that's the best places to find us about. And also, if you want to DM me, I'm also active uh, on Twitter at Anjan3118. That's my Twitter handle. But yeah, that's how we are doing it. I would love to for people to test it out, to try it out, to pre-order it and basically create this network which can make sure that communication becomes much more seamless over time. Nice. Yeah, as a hotspot here on DPN Hub as well, we'll try to announce to our listeners in our community whenever it comes out so we can try to get more and more people to, to try it out, right? Because I think this, this is a very valuable project that you guys are building. One thing that I didn't really found online yet, you guys are... Moving towards the Web3, do you already have a, like a layer one protocol that you're thinking about doing? Do, do people going to then later pay for usage of this project in tokens? How does that, how the Web3 angle is going to look like? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a great question. And over time, this will be become like a DRTC-based transactions, which is decentralized real-time communication transactions, where the unit commodity services minutes, the number of minutes you consume, basically how you pay. So let's suppose if you consume 1000 minutes of service, so you pay either via 
the fiat mode or you pay via the huddle tokens itself and basically you will get a discounted service if you use huddle 01 tokens to pay for these services so yeah i think this is how the whole model will look like in terms of our uh, layer of where the settlement will happen that's where we are basically figuring out the basic the system designs on what is the best right now we know that we have been seeing and tracking a couple of other projects who are doing fantastic job for example demo right now using polygon a couple of others which are on solana so basically figuring out which is the best settlement layer for us but yeah that design decision is something which will also be taking in a in a month and a month and a half time on where should we basically go towards in terms of settlement but right now the major focus is to bootstrap supply to make sure at least we have enough supply side things on top of it and once we are able to do that then basically going deep down the system design architecture level and making sure that where these drtc transactions will settle because the mainnet has a couple of months time right now yeah yeah well one thing that i see a lot of projects for example the grass is doing is that while you try to figure out the best like layer one protocol etc to build a project you can distribute points right like a point system that can later be translated into like some actually real tokens So you don't need to wait until you have the blockchain things figured out to start actually rewarding the users to be early adopters, to deploying the hardware and testing everything, giving feedback. Can you talk about the feature? I like to understand like you guys have been building for quite some time now. You're getting ready to to release, let's say, like the supply side. How do you see Huddle 01 going from the next year to the next five years? What is the like long-term vision? Yeah, it's a great question. So the long-term vision is essentially to never compete with the likes of basically Zoom on the platform level or to compete with Agora on the on the level of infrastructure, but essentially to compete with the most bottom layer which is where the on the network layer which is the basically becoming a better cloud provider in terms of edges. So we are building a network where we've already bootstrapped demands ourselves and the end goal is that is for Zoom and the Agoras of the nature to see that hey this network which they have built is much much more better than these than the current centralized counterparts so the next five years looks like is that zoom and all the apps rather than running on a centralized server they run on this people powered device which we have been building so far so that's how we look into the future apart from that we want to make sure that the calls right now which is happening the network we have solved for a lot of things maybe in five years we'll be reaching near agi but still doing a call in a 2d based environment is something which is a kind of not a great innovation which has happened in rtc for a long long time so video tech needs to basically become much much more immersive over time and i just want to go into a history lesson back in the day where if you were to read read sapiens and the book by harari you would have seen that there was a fight between neanderthals and there was a fight between homo sapiens and the reason why homo sapiens won was because they were able to communicate better collaborate better and hence innovate on the tools better so that they were able to defeat the neanderthals and right now the neanderthals for us are nothing but climate change are the problems of healthcare are the problems of education are the problems of the current basically wars which are happening and to solve that we need to make sure that our communication doesn't happen in a walls of a 2d screen but becomes much more immersive so that people can come together collaborate together innovate better so the next 5 years we look forward to this we breaking the shackles of this 2d screens and becoming much more expansive in nature and humans shouldn't co- communicate in the way they are doing it right now and there are a couple of hardware are coming out we need to make sure that these hardwares also become much more better but things like which is happening in the layer of these apple based devices which are coming with your headsets how do you make sure that still the infrastructure becomes so seamless that you are able to do a calls in a holographic fashion 
where you are near to your friend and uh, you can collaborate better group of scientists coming together they can collaborate better to solve climate change and a lot of other things very good snapshot of like a, a snap of that would be lex friedman and the call of mark zuckerberg but that was just the start that still requires a better infrastructure but if you're able to solve that you can essentially have a call where you are just with your friend and you are just with your group your founder you're just with your group of scientists and you're able to basically make sure that humans are able to reach a, a much better innovation scale very fast and that's what our plan is in the next five years wow that's exciting yeah i can totally see that right like uh, i think that's where we're going forward and i love to see that you guys are building this and web3 and dpn is going to be a core part of everything that you're building and how we're going to change like the future in a way that everybody can re- get rewarded by building infrastructure being part of it and not just like a few major some more do you have any other final remarks that you like to tell people where to know about your project how to follow and 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 so on yeah i think uh, you you completely summed it up in the last line i think making things people powered is something which we which the deepin is solving right now with decreasing the capex on the opex you could see that with the the, the first deepin which is the poster boy called helium we started off with an iot bob pet miner now also with helium mobile now you can see that how an 80 dollar which you are paying per month can become a 5 dollar per month and these things are happening with a better quality and much much better pricing and i think that's happening in iot that's happening in bluetooth that's happening in 5g and that the same thing is now going to happen in rtc our devices are starting to become better our crypto economic tools are starting to become better so now uh, similar to how you can have an helium device now you can also have an hardware 01 device and you can just make sure that you become your you control the audio and video which you do and you also become a kind of service provider for other calls which are happening near your area and you earn uh, based on that so basically get a new alternate income and uh, yeah we make everything a better place yeah man well thanks so much for being in the podcast it's like a, it was a great interview i really like the things that you guys are building make sure to go to huddle01.com and that's h u d d l e 01.com also follow twitter check our website deepinhub.io follow us on like social media and of course the youtube and in spotify and everything because we're trying to build this thing this platform for you guys the listeners and our goal is to onboard millions of people into web3 and we believe that's going to be through deepin because like i like to say deepin is the gateway drug into web3 and yeah let's go i'm so excited about this i can't wait to get out of this call and start playing around more with huddle 01 when everything that you guys are building well i you think so much for your time it was a pleasure and i hope to have you here again to see the next steps maybe to announce the hardware and other things as well thanks so much daniel it was great having you and thanks for doing what you're doing i think it's very important to know, for people to know about deepin and I think you are the one stop place in terms of your YouTube channel where things are happening so thank you so much for having me thank you have a good one man bye bye